With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The New York football giants lost another football game this week to the Atlanta Falcons with a score of 23 to 20 and fall to one and six on the season. This game was full of blank Eli stares into the galaxy. Hugs all around for superstar players. Good lip reads of utter frustration by Pat Shermer. Booger McFarland and an interesting Monday Night Football crew. And oh yeah, there was another bad football game that was played by our favorite team. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Okay, okay. Huh? Are you a hockey fan at all? I I really need to get into hockey. Hockey's great. I like I desperately need to get into hockey because this is this is this is killing me. This is killing me. I would be a fan of the New Jersey hockey devils. Oh no. All right. We're done having this conversation then. I mean, I the Jersey's. T- I mean, you live in New York, so I obviously, it's, yeah. You know, like Jersey is the only team that we, you know, Devils are the only team that really like Jersey has. That's true. So I need to. I need. To, I really Got need to Rangers get into hockey. Renato, Renato, um, Renato's going to help me understand hockey and the points and the ways that everything works because it confuses me. It really does confuse me. I have bad eyesight. I'm getting glasses over. Really. I need a gla- I've needed glasses for years. I just haven't actually took the time to actually fully realize and come to the realization because I'm 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 not a I'm not a very smart person. So <laughs> I'm not a smart person. So you I've never have. actually made the association that I'm like, oh, I can't see things that are somewhat far away that other people can see. Oh, I need glasses. I just thought like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this condition. <laughs> this condition. This condition of blindness. This no, I'm not blindness. Just I can't see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Hi. Welcome back. I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna leave all that in because that's because that that was that was great. That was that's gold. Great. That was gold. All right. So um. Welcome to Bleeding Blue episode number whatever. This is a episode on the New York Football Giants, not on the New York Yankees. Just in case you were wondering. Follow me on Twitter for the housekeeping items. Follow me on Twitter at jpenix seventy four. Follow David on Twitter at david. Double underscore Powis, and that's Powis as in P-O-W-I-S. Indeed. So there you go. That's our Twitters. Um, we're on iTunes. 
So give us five stars and write a review on iTunes because I don't think they actually show up as five-star ratings unless you write a review along with giving five stars. So I think we've been on iTunes for maybe like two weeks now, maybe three weeks, and we have eight ratings, which I think is fantastic. That's much more than I thought we would get. So if you haven't done that, please do, especially if you like us. It helps. It really does help. Um, breaking blue news. Do you like the way that I did that? I like that. That's nice. So shout out to uh, John Boy, who's a who's a friend of the friend of the podcast. He's the host of Talking Yanks. I talk about Talking Yanks like even when, if it's Giants, I guarantee you I find a way to fit John Boy into uh, my pot uh, into all my podcast episodes. But he just started a radio show with his co-host Jake who's a co-host on some of his podcasts and it's John boy and Jake radio where they have a daily radio show and they talk about sports. They talk about jokes. They talk about other sports and they talk about news, talk about whatever, but yeah. So it turns out that we bleeding blue podcast got a shout out on John boy and Jake's radio show. Right. Tuesday morning. I asked a question on Twitter and, a, and as part of their kind of like news slash Twitter question segment, and I asked, how do we live in a world where there's people who believe the earth is flat? Like, how do we even function in a world where people actually do believe that? And oh, then that lives. <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Justin, we have something to talk about. I am. Uh, I'm a flat earther. Oh, boy. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I'm completely no, kidding. I'm, I'm completely kidding. I don't want to ruin my uh, my respectability. Oh my god! Yeah, but so I asked that question, and it led into a conversation about science class, and if if you actually were never told that the Earth was round in a science class, that you would believe that the Earth is flat, like that would just be like a common thing. And I and I get that. And then also, it led into a whole conversation about conspiracy theories, which I love conspiracy theories. I'm a big fan of conspiracy theories. I like being a third party observer to conspiracy theory conversations because of the emotions that they elicit. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I like, I like, especially like the moon landing, the moon landing conversation. I like when people get overly reactionary to being on either side of the spectrum of, did we actually land on the moon? I could care less. Really? I could care less if we landed on the moon. I could also care less if the earth is flat. It's kind of a big deal if like randomly you might just like fall off the earth. You I guess it's know like, that. But I guess it's also like a microcosm. Like if you believe that the earth is flat, it's also like a microcosm for I think the rest the, the way that you live the rest of your life. Yeah. You like, probably think like, oh, a lot a lot of interesting things. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, so I guess shout out to John Boy. Um so that was breaking blue news, uh we were mentioned on that. And if you're a first time listener, because he's mentioned us. And he mentioned that I was a nice guy, which I think I am. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome. So also, also, next Monday, today, tonight is Tuesday. You're probably listening to this on Wednesday or beyond. So what's the, what's going to be the date? The 29th. 29th. The 29th of October. There is a decent, relatively good chance, maybe... That Bleeding Blue may be conducting an interview with John Boy. So be on the lookout for that. Possibly. I will not confirm or deny those rumors that I just started myself. <laughs> okay. 
Let's get right into our topics for the day for the New York football giants. A lot of, I, this is, I want this to be a fun and happy episode, at least to start. And then there's a good chance, David, that I may actually fight you despite us being in two different states. Technically Washington DC is not a state. I you're don't know a, what we you're are. In a, you're in a district. I'm in a, I'm in a district. So there's a good chance we may fight each other from two different areas of the country. I'm all about it. And it will, and it will be the first time that a podcast has ever documented a fight. So if your audio just cuts out, it's because you broke your computer and in a, in a vain no, attempt no, no, to, no, no. uh, no, you will be physically assaulted somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, you heard it here first, so you know where to. F- he already told you where he's living. He, he told you what he did. So it's pre it's premeditated. It's premeditated now. <laughs> so, um, Booger McFarland, oh what God. what a name, what a guy. Didn't know his last name was McFarland until David confirmed it with me a couple minutes ago. Because I'm like, is this guy's really the la- is this guy's last name really the same as Seth it's McFarland? Like, his name is like. This is mean that we're making fun of his name, but like, no, no, it's not. His name sounds like a name you'd make up, you know, like, like when you not only is his first name Booger, but then his second name has a Mick in it. Mick is like an automatically like made up last name. So, so, like, so you take a, like yeah. you take a, you take a ludicrous first name and then you combine it with a Mick last name. It's over. It's like my favorite person of all time, Shania Twain. Her real her real name is not Shania. Really, it's Eileen. Know that, yeah. Eileen Twain, it's it's a stage name, so as Booger opposed McFarland. to I fall Twain, <laughs> I fall Twain, what <laughs> I suppose Eileen, I fall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that's that's enough. That's enough. Uh, Booger McFarland, um, he was probably the main headline from last night's football game, um, because uh, players in his day, I don't know if you knew this, David, but players back in his day. Um, used to pee on the sideline. I know, like they just—they they used to. No, yeah, he—he he basically told us on national television because, again, much like everything that Odell Beckham Jr. does, it's overblown. And um, Odell Beckham Jr. also doesn't like water, but yet he needs to go in and get an IV uh, like every week in the locker well, room. Well, he needs to replenish his energy without drinking water. Come on, Justin, stay every, with us. Everything he does is so overblown, and it turned into this Booger McFarland d- uh, dissing Odell, saying, "Back in my day, guys, you should just either just piss their pants or just whip it, whip it out on the <laughs> sideline and just piss." So, real manly Booger, things, Booger McFarland, and oh boy, I think I think John Boy said this on Twitter, and oh boy, Ter- Tony Saragusa, remember, remember that guy? I was I was gonna say that. Tony Saragusa, they made that man for years, my entire childhood. They made that man stand in the pouring rain, 90 degree heat, 20 degree Fahrenheit, wind chill, cold, and freaking Green Bay. They made that man stand through everything. And Booger, this man, Booger McFarlane, gets a gets a nice little seat. It's a nice little seat. Did you Who guys did you man? did you see the the uh the pictures of what his little Booger mobile looks like? No, it has like a 20 foot TV screen attached to the back of it. No, no. So it blocks like the first like 15 rows of um, wherever he's like wherever he's sitting. Like he when he moves back and forth, it blocks like 15 rows. They can't see the field because of the boogermobile. But back in his day, 
players used to piss themselves and they used to yes. do it on the sideline. They used to do it like men. And back in his day, the fans used to be able to see the field because there was no booger mobile in the way. <laughs> We're way off topic. No, I love no, this is what this is what we need. This is what we can't talk Giants football. We can't sure we can. sure because we can. the title of this freaking podcast is Groundhog Day. Every single week we go through the same exact thing. Despite, you know, despite the Thursday night game where we got relatively blown out. I don't know about same exact thing because Eli Manning threw for 400 yards. All right, you can look at all those numbers you want. We're not going to we will get to we will get to Eli Manning. We can't le- we can't start off with Eli Manning cuz then we'll just talk about Eli Manning for the entire time. So we chose Booger McFarlane instead. So we chose Booger McFarlane to start off instead. Um, and Monday Night Football is quite the shit show. Quite the shit show. All right. Um, breaking other breaking blue news. Is that is that a thing that I should even say or is that stupid? I feel breaking like it's blue. stupid. Breaking, breaking blue, blue news. I feel like it's stupid, but I'm going to continue to say it. I kind of like it. Eli Apple was traded to the Saints today, Tuesday, October 23rd for a fourth round pick in 2019 and a seventh round pick in the year 2020. How are we feeling about it, David? I love it. I absolutely love the trade. I like Dave Gettleman realizing that a lot of the Jerry Reese drafts of the last couple of years, specifically outside of a couple really good players, Odell, Landon Collins, uh, about ends there. Um, I really, really like that he seems to be saying, shed the guys who seem expendable right now. I mean, they're one in six. Eli Apple's been pretty much a disaster since he got here. He had a pretty solid rookie season for a rookie. It was also on a fantastic defense. It was awful last year. We know everything that happened at the end of last year specifically. Um, and this year he played well the first couple of games and his plays really dropped off the last couple of weeks along with Janoris Jenkins. So I think Gettleman had a short leash with him and realized some team that's competing right now will, will be willing to take a flyer on who's ultimately probably destined to be more of a slot corner, um, not a number two corner. He's not an outside guy. So you trade him to a team that needs a corner right now and you get some picks in return, which he's returned. He has a very good return on investment right now on his draft. So I don't mind giving him two more picks to work with. It's tough when you let a, when you let a first round pick that you took two, what was it? Two, what was he drafted? 2016. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He was drafted 2016. So that was two years ago. A little more, a little more than two years ago. Now it's tough when you draft a guy in the first round, middle of the first, pretty relatively early teens. And then the return on investment on him is, yeah, not even not even three full years. Yeah, and but I think I think it's I think it's um Gettleman making this his team, and I'm okay with that because so far so far what Gettleman's done I like. I, his free agent signings have been rough. Let's not get anything mixed up there. Nate Toler was horrible last night. Specifically, he's a great great timing to be talking about how bad Gettleman's uh, free agent signings were. But his draft class was fantastic. Um pretty much everyone from that class is contributing. And the only reason why Kyle Ouellette is not is because he's a quarterback and he wasn't destined to play this year. Um, Lorenzo Carter looked amazing. Lorenzo Carter has been fantastic. BJ Hill has been fantastic, but you know, BJ Hill is in one of those positions where you don't get a lot of press. You don't, you're not able to do a lot of things like 
Snacks Harrison's a different story. Like he's fantastic. So he makes a lot of plays. I think BJ Hill's been very, very good. Yeah, I would defensive ends in a three four really plug holes. They don't necessarily exactly. make play yeah. unless you're JJ Watt and you're just incredible and you can play in either system and you could be great. Defensive ends in three fours aren't defensive ends in a four three where they're not going to give you like big numbers. They're there to plug holes so the outside linebackers and the inside linebackers can make plays. But um Eli Apple, you know, I I was a big out of and if you listen to the early preseason podcasts for Bleeding Blue, I was Eli Apple was a guy that I was excited to see play. And I was and it was a guy that I really didn't really give up hope on despite preseason and training camp looked bad. He looked flat out bad. And then he really turned around during the regular season. And this was a guy that I was really excited to see play and excited to see play for the rest of the season. And the fact that he was so young coming out of college, he was a sophomore. He was a sophomore coming out of Ohio state and giants kind of took a chance on him in the draft, you know, cause there was, I think there was one other corner that Miami drafted at the time that people were saying, Oh, I think he was the top corner in the draft, but I think the giants overall drafted a better player. And he really turned it around this year because of how young he was coming out of school. I thought the dude still had time to develop. I thought Eli Apple was a pretty good first round pick. That was, Drafted by Jerry Reese. The dude had a terrible year last year. Part of me wanted him to be cut, but at the same time, it's like we need bodies on this football team, especially a corner. It there just comes sometimes comes a point, and it's the same thing with kind of like Eric Flowers, where you just need a body because we just have nothing else. But Eli Apple really embraced kind of the 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 comeback player on the defense. Um it, tough. I mean, I I, th- I think it's tough because obviously, again, you look at the return on investment and the fact that he was a first-round pick, an early first-round pick, and now less than three years later, you're trading him for a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, it's I, so it's tough because you're letting go. It's not like they did this with Jenkins where they got off of a big contract. Obviously, I think you would maybe want a little bit more for Jenkins, but at the same time, if the Giants were to able trade away his entire contract and get a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. I think I'm more content with that rather than them trading away Eli Apple, who is a young player that we drafted, who's not getting paid you know, that much in retrospect. And then he still has years left with this team. Like, do I you understand where I'm coming from? No, I totally, that? I totally understand what you're saying, but I think, and I, I'm seeing this all over Twitter now, people talking about who's next, who they want, you know, they want, uh, Vernon gone. They want Jenkins gone. They want Harrison gone. First of all, getting rid of Harrison would be a total mistake, in my opinion. Um, but people seem to just forget the fact that teams don't want to pick up these contracts. Right. No, you're no, right. Nobody wants to pick up Olivier Vernon's contract. Nobody wants to pick up Janoris Jenkins, specifically his contract. I think teams would be maybe willing to pick up Jenkins' contract. You think so? Part of it. Part of it. I think it was. I don't if, know. If, I don't know. But I mean, that's up for debate. But that's why I think trading Eli Apple ultimately for this team makes more sense because what Dave Gettleman needs right now is he needs draft picks. He needs tools. He needs the ability to go out and get guys. And I think he knew that Eli Apple is a much easier sell. You know, you said it yourself, Janoris Jenkins, you'd want a little bit more return than a fourth and a seventh, right? And I think you could, I think he's worth more than a fourth and a seventh. But at the the same time, but at the same time, you are content if, you just solely get a fourth round pick or a seventh or not fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. You're totally content if a team just takes that contract 
and that's what like Dave Dave Gettleman doesn't need. With Janoris Jenkins, you yeah. have to you have to settle for the fact you have to be willing to sacrifice. Yeah, some potential return for okay. Well, they got rid of that contract for us, so that's it's a it's a it's an, it's a very interesting situation with a guy like Jenkins. I personally think Jenkins has been uh, underperforming like drastically this year. But I also have more hope in the fact that he turns it around more. Like I think he's got more a better skill set than Eli Apple. Now here's um, the thing. Now here's the thing. Here, Janoris Jenkins probably will not be back in a Giants uniform next year. Eli Apple, not here. Clearly. So we're bank now. Here's the scary. Here's really the scary thing. We're banking on this guy Beal. Sam Beal hurt. It's Sam Beal. We're we're banking on this guy being as of right now our number one corner next year. Like well, you know, obvi- obviously next year is going to be the rebuilding year. Obviously, because I wanted I wanted this year to be the rebuilding year, but obviously it's going to be next year. So we're we're accepting that. I I, I hope and I pray that the Giants will accept next year as the rebuilding year. I then think that's I think that's what this move confirms. I I I, I think pray, trading I trading Eli God. Apple today completely confirms that and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I pray to God that that's what it means. Um but I also don't trust Dave Gunnelman has the tendency to uh to to spam the X button on drafting cornerbacks going back to his days with Carolina where he took an insane he would take an insane amount of corners in a single draft and I don't even ignoring other issues, but neither here nor there. It's corner was a scary thing going into the season, and we had Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, and Landon Collins. But now looking at at it next year, holy shit, holy <laughs> shit, because we probably will not have both of them next year. And there were rumors floating around that we may trade Landon Collins. I would be shocked. But you want to know what? The only problem with Landon Collins right now is you're gonna have to pay him at some point. And well, when is his when right. is his rookie deal up? Is it this year or next it's, year? It's this year. So if you trade right. him this year, you could pull a now. This is why I hate talking about trades with football because usually, like, it's not the same. Football trades are totally a different animal than all of the sports like baseball yeah. and basketball. This is why I don't like talking about trades, and that's why I'm very shocked to see the trades that have gone down in the last that have gone down in the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to Carlos Hyde with the Jaguars and Amari Cooper for first round pick to the Cowboys. Like, I don't know. I don't get it, that. It's, like, you usually don't see these type of moves made with football. And that's what's kind of shocking to me is that, you know, I would be at the same time, I would honestly be fine with the Giants kind of just taking this team and just wait and just but playing with these guys and then just winding up at the draft wherever they are. But yeah, they're but getting, you, they're but, getting, the, they're getting the draft picks, and that. Makes but let me ask sense. you this: So Eli Apple was going to be up for his contract next year, right? So he he's he has one more year on his. No, 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 rookie rookies because it's all team options. They find a way to stay on the team like four years. Well, well, okay, so like they're, they're, they're team options. They're not. They were not going to pick up his team option. This, Why this, not? Because he's this, cheap. He, well, this deal makes it evident, right? They 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 don't they didn't want him. Yeah, which I mean, which again, it kind of boggle, it kind of, it's kind of mind boggling because it, you know, he's a solid player. He has effort problems. And you even saw it last night um, where there was a couple plays and it's been all year. There's been effort. There's been questions of effort in terms of making tackles. Dion never tackled. All right. So it, it's, it's tough. The only thing, that's really, 
that's really you could throw. I'm really just I'm throwing my hands up and I'm saying it's tough. So there you go. So now right. let me ask you. So who who do you want? Is there anybody else who want to see shopped right now? Uh, I and obviously within reason. So not don't say somebody who of course won't be, but someone you could see possibly being because I have two in mind. I can possibly see Damon Harrison and Landon Collins, but the but the home. If you want, if you want to rebuild right, and you want to get the draft picks, and you want to do it right, you trade those two. So I, I don't think I. I would be shocked if they traded Landon Collins, um, just because when he's going when he's going right, he's such a difference maker. Yeah. Um, for that defense, and I, I think they want to lock him up long term. I certainly hope so. There's a part of me that also has seen a bit of decline, even though like he is my favorite player. He's my favorite defensive player on the Giants right now. There is a part of me that's seen a decline from his 2016 season that it just hasn't been. He's been up same. and down. He's he's had a couple of, a couple of plays where he looks dominant, and a couple of plays right after he looks like he looks like his rookie his rookie year again. Yeah, um, so that's why that's why him. Like I think it's more of a tougher thing to let go. But Damon Harrison, man. He's towards the end of his prime. Injuries but are weighing on him. Injury, hold on. Injuries are weighing on him every single season. And do you really think that he can be a part of this rebuilding process? Because Damon Harrison was a was probably the biggest contributor, offensively or defensively, to this reload logic where. We went after all the free agents in 2016. He's been the most reliable guy. He's been the most reliable guy that was a part of that process. I don't see him on this just because of the health issues and just because of the beating that that man takes. I don't see yeah. him a part of our plans for 2020, but he can really be an asset in terms of trading him. But again, it's the contract. So I don't really he's, know if teams would take on that contract. He's towards the end of his prime. Sure. How old is he? You have any idea? He's got to be late 20s. Hold on. Yeah, it's got to be like 28, 29, on, maybe 30. We'll, we'll, 29. Good for me. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um we'll we'll wrap we'll wrap this up. Um who else, do you so give me your two guys. So my two guys, they're not they're they're Eli Apple-ish players. They're not not big guys because I'm again, I'm thinking contract. I'm thinking guys that teams will take. Right? So number 1, Wayne Gallman. Um Again, you, the value of a running back, but good to continue. Carlos Hyde just got traded to the Jaguars. Carlos Hyde is a bigger name. I mean, yeah, he's also he's also older. Wayne Gallman was drafted two years ago. Gallman has done absolutely nothing this year with the Giants. Granted, he's on this Giants offense, and it's hard for someone not named Saquon Barkley or Odell Beckham to do much on this offense. He's barely but, got any snaps. Exactly, that's snaps. my point. My point is they don't use him, right? So. And I believe that Gettleman would probably be okay with drafting a sixth round running back, putting sticking him behind Saquon Barkley, because like you really don't need one behind Saquon Barkley. Um, so he's one. Number two, and I think this is more of an interesting uh, potential trade. I would say BJ Goodson. Beginning yeah. uh, he's a I mean he's a he's a late Reese guy, so he was drafted at the very, very end of Reese's tenure. Um he last year was supposed to be the newfound, like the newfound stud on that defense. Antonio Pierce. 
he was that's who he was supposed to be, right? One of those linebackers who could just do it all. I think he got something like eighty percent of the snaps last year. He doesn't sniff the field this year. He is he's buried underneath Alec Ogletree and Lorenzo Carter and all of these all all these line Tay Davis was getting was getting significantly more snaps than he was. Ray 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 Armstrong, Ray Ray Armstrong, Armstrong good before he got hurt. I don't think that Gettleman and this staff sees a, sees a, a spot for him, and I guarantee you, some team would be interested in a young linebacker who hasn't had the opportunity to prove himself all that much, and he's a has next to no contract. So, just a thought. Yeah, B B J Goodson's a guy that I've liked for a, for a while. Um, the only problem with B J Goodson is that he just gets hurt; he cannot stay on the field, and. Teams wouldn't want, I don't think teams would want to invest in that. So, David, like, obviously, I'm kind of going for the home run hitters. Like, right. if, if you're, if, if again, you can't half ass a rebuild. So, if you're going to trade, if you're going to trade guys and you're going to trade value, you got to make it good. So, I said Harrison and I said Collins, because then also the benefit of trading Collins is that you still have an opportunity to sign him in the offseason if he wants to come back. Mm-hmm. What do you realistically see? If Eli, if Eli Apple, who was a former first round pick, and a pretty somewhat proven number two corner in the NFL, like he can go for the Saints right now, and he's going to start because that secondary is abysmal. He'll start behind Lattimore. So that's a fourth. That's a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. What do you realis- What do you realistically see the benefit of training Wayne Gallman, who is a second string running back behind Barkley, and then Goodson, who struggled for playing time, even though I've seen him on the field somewhat often. But still, he's str- you know he's not the clear cut starter. It's Alec Ogletree is the clear cut starter. So, what do you see the benefit of trading? But what do you see the return uh, on a guy like BJ Goodson? I could see it being I don't know fifth rounder, sixth rounder maybe. Uh, Wayne Gallman might be a bit tougher because he doesn't have a lot on tape. He doesn't really have. I don't. I like you said. I think it's harder to trade a running back. But I'm just tossing out names. I think could could fit the mold. Based on Eli Apple being traded, guys who I could see the Giants looking to trade, kind of saying we don't have a need for this young guy. Young guys are assets to most all, pretty much all teams. I don't know. I'm thinking late round picks. You can't. There's nothing wrong with having more picks. You know that's why I see people complaining about we didn't get enough return for uh, Eli Apple, and I think that's that's an oversight. Um, you figure a fourth round pick this upcoming draft. B.J. Hill was drafted at the end of the third round. They drafted Laletta in the fourth round, so it's hard to see like the direct uh, correlation to fourth round fourth round success for the Giants. But I, I have no problem with it. All right, um, Odell Beckham Jr. We talked a decent amount of him towards the end of last podcast, but he he's getting he's getting moved up a little bit. How good is Odell Beckham Jr.? And I feel uh, like you kind of need to say that because there are a lot of fans that don't see it or they don't want to see it. I was, when I say screaming at my TV last night, in in the part of the game that didn't mean anything, you know, that garbage time last drive that ended with five seconds after Eli Manning took two quarterback sneaks at the goal line, I was screaming at my TV when I think three three balls on that drive, including the touchdown, went to him. And they were kind of just, Odell Beckham, you're better than everybody else on this field. Go get the ball, get your feet in bounds, and we'll keep moving down the field. Those throws, and I'm not saying this is necessarily always Eli missing him, and I'm not saying it's always necessarily a matter of play calling. I think it's a combination of both. 
But those out routes and plays to the sideline to Odell Beckham, that's where he's he's so, so good. Um, I remember the first two years of his career, right? When so the 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 pre pre-injury years. He made so many catches on the sideline. Just how did he get his feet in bounds? Like you don't understand it. I don't think I've seen that more than like five or six times this year. And I just think they try so hard to either hit him hit him on a shot, hit him deep, or hit him on a slant. And they don't use his full potential. His full potential is he can run any route on the route tree and he can get his feet in bounds and he's got hands like most people have never seen before. Um, I just think, and, and that last drive last night was a perfect example of it. He just went out and got the ball. Eli put it where he could get it and he got it. I'm yelling at my TV saying this, like, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. Stop with the third and two swing pass to Saquon Barkley with no blockers in front of him. Don't be too fancy. Just use your weapons. Frustrating. Yeah, I mean Beckham's Beckham's unbelievable, but what I really think you're you're talking more about a problem with. I mean, really, it's it's a debate that nobody can really answer because we're nobody nobody who's a podcaster, nobody who's a fan, even beat writers. Nobody is really inside that locker room and nobody's inside those meetings. But why it has to be Eli. Like it has to be Eli who's continuing to throw these five five yards behind the line of scrimmage plays to Saquon Barkley. I see, I don't know if I don't even know if that's true though, because the one that sticks out in my mind obviously was last night. There was a third and two. Game was right there. It was, you know, they were, it was a one possession game, third and two at about midfield. And they threw a swing pass to Saquon. And everyone started getting on Eli on Twitter. You know, how could you throw that ball? How could you throw it to Saquon? They showed a replay from behind the line of scrimmage from, you know, from what Eli was seeing. And if you watch Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard both, they run out and they, they start blocking. It was a, it was a design swing pass. It was basically a screen pass without pulling linemen. So that's a that's legitimately designed. That's how that's that was the only route that it was a run. It wasn't even a, a, a pass. Now I'm sure there are plays and we saw it yesterday, the fourth and goal, Eli just didn't throw the ball to Odell and, and the play was designed for Odell and he got a step on his man. And that's a throw I've that's a play I've seen Eli Manning make to Odell Beckham in previous years. So sure he I think has been extra cautious with the ball and has been looking for the check down over and over again. But I also think play Kong has been confusing. It hasn't made any sense. Well, I mean, proofs in the pudding. This is two weeks in a row now that we've had uh, really good opportunities to read Pat Shermer's lips. And last week against the Eagles, it was throw the ball visually frustrated at Eli. And this week he said, what? throw it to Odell. And that was on that. Uh, it was that I'm sure that was on that fourth and goal players on that. Yeah, It was a fourth and goal. Yeah. That was on the fourth and goal play. So two weeks in a row, head coach visibly frustrated at nobody other than the quarterback. So obviously those are two plays and those are two different circumstances, but I mean, I think the proofs, I think the proofs in the pudding that how many times I don't think it's the play calling 
and this can even go back to McAdoo, that you know we blame McAdoo for all these five-yard swing passes behind the line of scrimmage, throwing it to the running back. We've now seen two different, you know, how many different head coaches need to be fired? And this has been a this is a point that's been made. Um, well, by, Pat Shermer could be fired for other reasons. No, oh, this is I mean this is a point that's <laughs> that's been made by a few other people on a few other people on Giants Twitter. But you know how many head coaches can be fired? How many regimes can be changed? And then we're seeing the same results with, you know, you look at players like Odell Beckham Jr. and how amazing he is and the things that he's still able to do despite the terrible offensive production that we're getting. And this is not just pointed at Eli, but how many different guys need to be brought in in terms of the offensive line? How many different coaches need to be hired and fired? This is now three different coaching regimes that we've seen between Coughlin's final days, McAdoo, and now Shermer. And we're still seeing the same things over and over again. So eventually, where, how many people, you know, how many people can we blame before we actually point the finger at the person that we really need to point the finger at? Well, I don't want in this conversation to get lost the fact that the offensive line was atrocious last night. It was. It, it absolutely was, ab- was. An a- especially in the first half, it was an absolute embarrassment. And those things take tolls on quarterbacks. And I understand I, that. And I've right. and, I've and said I know that. you do. Is shell shocked, but that shouldn't excuse the Giants for saying, You want to know what? Because you're so shell shocked, you are not the man, you're not the ballsy man that you used to be. You need to get out, you need to leave. You are not the right person for this team anymore. And you are making these excuses. And while they are valid, especially because this man has been pummeled to the ground these, these past few years because nobody can surround him with a good offensive line, even when they spend money in draft picks, that's not an excuse as to, oh, we're one in six and that's fine because it's not Eli's fault. I I know I, I'm well aware. I, I understand that you're playing both sides. I, I understand that you're you're split, spreading the blame where it needs to be, but a lot of people aren't. And I think that's what really frustrates me with the Eli Manning conversation. It, it, I, I can see, anybody can see, that Eli Manning has really been rough at times this season for for the majority of the season but there's a lot of other blame to go around specifically the offensive line which is why I, I honestly believe not that I think this will this will happen and I don't think it really makes any logical sense if he went somewhere else if he got traded I think he would perform yeah I, yeah I I totally I totally but disagree I Really? Yeah, I, I, I totally do. You've said you've said this for a few <clears throat> weeks now, and I, I totally, I totally. I disagree. think last night's a perfect example. I think last night's a perfect example. He threw for four hundred yards, even before garbage time. Right? We'll we'll consider garbage time before that last touchdown drive. He was over three hundred yards. He took care of the ball, which has been a knock on him his entire career. Doesn't take care of the ball. Well, took care of the ball. He throws the yard. He throws the ball four yards down the line of scrimmage. Of course, you're not going to throw interceptions. We've already talked about why that is, in large part. We've already talked about the fact that I, I think a lot of these these checkdowns to Barkley is it's it's shell shock. It's I'm tired of being hit. I'm staring at the rush before I look at the receivers, and that's a bad thing. You can't do that. But we've seen a couple times this season, Carolina specifically. He did it in Carolina. He did it in Houston. In Houston, the offensive line wasn't very good either. Um, 
He did it against Houston. He did it against Carolina. And I think he did it at, at times last night, in the second half specifically. He started looking comfortable. And when he when when there was some protection, he was he was stepping up into his throws. He looked fine. But you want to know what you want to know what there have been more times this season where you can point to and say Eli Manning cost us the game this season rather than Eli Manning helped us win. I know and that's an can. issue. I that's an issue for him on this team. We've said in the past the environment needs to be perfect for him, and it's not perfect for him. The environment needs to be perfect for most thirty-seven-year-old quarterbacks, and the environment's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. If he went somewhere with a functioning offensive line and even stepped down weapons, I'm not saying he'd be a Super Bowl quarterback. I'm not saying he'd be he'd be in the top, you know, ten quarterbacks in the league. But he would be middle of the pack, throw for two fifty, three hundred per game, two or three touchdowns. He could do that. He can still be that. So if this were the 2007 Giants offensive line with the weapons that he has now, you're saying that he would be he would be a average middle of the line quarterback. Absolutely. And that's actually that's without actually a, terrible. Without, without terrible. A, without a doubt in my mind. I think he's 37. He was I think I think Josh McCown. I think Josh McCown and if freaking Carson Palmer wanted to come out of retirement well, and, if, and if he had, and if he had the Giants' 2007 offensive line with the weapons that he had now, they would also be a playoff. Well, team. actually, let so me, I don't let think me, that's let me rephrase much. what I said because you also said with the with the weapons they have now. My scenario, I said with even a step down weapons, oh, uh, with the uh, best uh, offensive line that you or I have ever seen in for the, for the Giants, which was like the 07, the Snee, O'Hara, Deal, McKenzie, that group, and th- these weapons. Eli, I think they would be absolutely fine. Eli would be absolutely fine because he's shown this year that when he's given the when the opportunity is there and he's able to be comfortable, he delivers the ball exactly where it has to be. But you are living in a fantasy world, David. I absolutely am. You are living in a fantasy world. All right. Um, so yeah, Eli has cost us more than he's done good. I actually, I actually yeah. want to bring one more thing up really quick. I think interesting timing. Do we remember in the beginning of the year how concrete Pat Shermer was with his language about Eli Manning? He still is. He's still very post-game. Post-game, Let me, he still uh, is. Well, how about this? So the minute we started recording, I got a Bleacher Report update. It's a Pat Shermer quote. And it reads, I think Eli will be our quarterback. He has been, and he'll continue to be here. Does that sound to you like somebody who is kind of saying, I don't really have a choice. I have to play him. Yes, that's that's what I'm hearing. Because you look at the the sound bites. And I just think it's interesting, the the gradual uh, regression of his commitment to Eli. Well, I mean, you look at his sound bites during the game and... You look at why Dave, I mean, it's obvious why Dave Gettleman was hired and somebody like Lewis Riddick wasn't. Lewis Riddick wanted to draft a quarterback and get Eli the, the, the hell out of here. Dave Gettleman and the fan base duped, guilty as charged, would have killed the franchise if they if they got Eli out. I don't think they would have killed the franchise if they drafted a quarterback because Eli would have still started. But Dave Gettleman was hired because 
John Mara, work with Eli. John Mara was going to hire a guy, not necessarily based off of who has the best track record or who has the best ideas in terms of how to move the franchise forward. He was going to hire a guy that was going to build a team off of Eli Manning, at least for one year. So this is what we're getting. And obviously, Pat Shermer being a part, you know, be, getting duped just like the rest of the fan base into thinking that Eli Manning is a 37-year-old veteran who still has a lot of time left in his career, whose arm is just as good as always, and as my, and his mind is just as good as always. One in six is telling a different story. Yeah. I don't like I don't like the way Shermer has a, a if I can say this. I don't like the way Shermer has kind of faulted with the media and who really cares, but I hope uh, it's not, I hope, I hope it's not a reflection off of how he's treating his players and how he's operating as an everyday coach. Cause that tone should be the same tone that he has in training camp should be the same tone that he has now, not one that's all bitchy and a sore loser. Like that's kind of like what I'm getting out of Shermer. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, McAdoo, proved the fact that he was I think he was just inept as a coach I just don't think he's a good head coach despite the fact that he did have success once upon a time but I think a lot of the reasons why McAdoo's end was so celebrated is in large part to what you're talking about I think it's very similar to the way that Shermer handles the media and handles post-game press conferences this very um it's like a weird kind of, I'm going to give you all the by the book answers, but in the most condescending way I possibly can Yeah. to make you feel like it's all under control. I got a plan. Yeah. And I don't think Shermer has a, it doesn't as a fan, it doesn't feel like Pat Shermer has a plan. It sounds like he's kind of going by the, by the seat of his pants. Well, you want to know why? And when, well, yeah, it's because he, he doesn't, he, I don't think he, he doesn't believe in his quarterback. Well, well also because, the Giants' season, the the win, the you know, going back to the to the win now approach, it hasn't worked. No. It, you know, it it just hasn't worked. The you know the fact that you know David, you said it that the you know Eli Apple, this you know this this may start uh, a tidal wave of different players that you know we've kind of grown attached to that they're going to be traded and the rebuilding process is going to start a little bit earlier than we thought a little, you know, you, you typically think that the rebuilding process is going to start in free agency by either the giants, not signing barely any players or they're taking chances on young players and they're not spending money and then they're going to be drafting. So it's starting a little bit earlier. So yeah, you know, we, the whole the season wasn't supposed the season pre, you know, back in August, the season wasn't supposed to be over by week eight. No. And I think, I think a lot of people will view the Dave Gettleman era with the drafting of Saquon Barkley. That's where, that's where it'll begin. In reality, I think today, I think October 23rd, 2018, trading Eli Apple, that's the start of the Dave Gettleman era for the Giants. I think that is him saying, John Mara wanted a shot with this team. He thought they had a core. And I think Gettleman was willing to come in and say, okay, I'll work with it. We'll see what we can do. Clearly, that crashed and burned. That hasn't worked. And I think Gettleman is now saying, okay, now we're going we're gonna to start selling and we're going to start saying, this is going to become my team. I'm bringing my tools in. And I think, and I think John Mara is going to be totally fine with that at this point. because He has no other choice. Well, he has no other choice. 
But also, we didn't really touch on it. As funny as the video of him flipping out in his owner's box, flipping over a chair, pounding tables, much like Odo Beckham. As funny as that is to watch, it's also indicative of the fact that he's done. So I think maybe Ooh. he's John Mara. He's done with this, with, with losing. He, uh, oh, of course, oh, we all are. Oh. I thought you but, meant that he was done like on this earth. I'm like, oh, no, no John Mara seems like a very healthy old man. No, no, he's, he's, he's kicking. I think that also indicates to me that's something, I think that's something larger going on. I think that's, I think we're going to see Gettleman really take over, which I'm okay with. Well, yeah. Based um, on his draft, I'm okay with it. Yeah, as long as he saved the money. Save the money. The, Save the money. Get, get out of think, these bad contracts. I think Gettleman is going to suffer because, because of John Mara's insistence on winning right now. Gettleman had no choice. He had to try to bring some guys in yeah. who could help right now. And unfortunately, he missed on all of them. Yeah. You know, they had to throw money at Solder. They had to throw money at Omame. I think Ogletree's been pretty good. He's just way overpaid. You know, that, that was the reality he was put in. So, New York football giants are bad. <laughs> and um, we play the team that resides in Washington this upcoming Sunday at 1 o'clock. Not the Seahawks. Not the Seahawks. In the District of Columbia. Better. But not really in the District of Columbia because yeah. I think they're in... They're in Landover. They're in Landover, Mer- Maryland. 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 Um, so we're playing them at MetLife Stadium. We play the team that resides in Washington, Landover, Maryland, in Washington, December 9th. And I know that because I come home from D.C. on December 8th. I know that. So we will be home in MetLife. Sweet, sweet home. What happens this week? What are we expecting? Uh, they're going to lose. I hope that they lose. Like no, like oh, I really oh, we should damn. we should talk. To, we we didn't no, touch on that. No, no, no. You know what I'm going to say? That'll be next week. What am what? I going to say? What are you going to? What are you? What are, what are you going to say about tanking? We're gonna. I really want to talk. About, I really want to talk about the ethics of tanking, but I don't want to do, do it next week. week. We're going to do it next week. Really quick, the news that came out a couple days ago about Justin Herbert. Everyone's saying he's not coming out. Of, he's not coming out for right. draft. I which I to, think is, I to, you can't say right now. No, I, th- thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sam Darnold. Yeah, thank on you. Pretty much the exact I, same date. Thank you, okay. because people that read headlines and don't want to read further into things are stupid. You are stupid if you do not. If you take what stupid people from Bleach Report who thought that the AL DS was a seven-game series. They picked the Red Sox to win a seven-game series in the ALDS. Morons. If you take what those people say, and if you take that word as God, you are stupid. Because these people are paid to do their job, and they they don't know how to do their job right. All they want you to do is click on their damn link. That's all they want. You are stupid. If you choose to take these words... And take them as God. Have a brain. Think. It is the month of October. And there's a report that says, oh, this kid isn't coming out. Who freaking gives a shit? 
he's going to go and he'll win a bowl game or he'll have the most spectacular Rose Bowl like we saw Darnold and Barkley do, and those kids will come out. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Herbert's the only quarterback right now that I'm hearing any buzz about. Why wouldn't he come out? That's what I said. So shut your mouths. Oh, the Giants need to keep Eli. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what we do. Shut your mouth because you're just looking to complain. Be an informed sports fan and not just read shit blindly. Man, I didn't mean to get you this fired up. No, I because, don't agree with that. I'm just, I was just bringing it up. No, because fan, because the way that fans and some people operate is they just operate the surface level, surface level analysis, and then they just react to it. There may have been zero need for me to yell like that, but surface <laughs> surface level analysis. I people when people just look at things blindly and they just take it for word, and they just take it and they hold it up as truth. Think think a little bit. You have a brain. You were put on this earth to maybe think a little bit and live your own life. Do that. Don't just take somebody else's word for for God. Man, you should honestly, you should like in editing, shove this a little bit to the front because man, that's not that your your little your little rant here is quite the attention grabber. I always rant towards the end. Man, people gotta stick around for the not because, uh, not because I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy in the beginning. Because it's like, yes, we're recording. And I love recording, and I love recording the podcast and doing the podcast, but then we start talking about it, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm really pissed about this. Then we this. get into the content. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, oh, yeah, follow me on Twitter and like the podcast, la, 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 la. And then I'm really pissed about what's going on because we stink. All right, um, David, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, in Gettleman, we trust. Oh, gee. Might I say, trust the process. Oh boy! All right. Um. Oh, I, oh, I, I, Washington. Oh, okay. I. Yeah, you didn't say what's gonna happen. I, I hope we lose. There we go. Um. Let's go Giants. Sort of, kind of. That. that yes. Let's go sense. Giants. I can't help it, but root for them as hard as I can. I want them to win. I, I, I still can't stand watching them lose. I, 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 I can. I, every five. You know what it is. I. I'm completely okay with rebuilding and I want the rebuild to begin continue sort of in a weird way. But I also in my heart hope they go 10 and six. Uh, I burped. All right, let's go giants. Let's go giants. Let's go giants. Um, tune in. It's going to be a big week for the podcast, especially with possibly maybe having Yankee Twitter royalty talking Yanks host, John boy on the podcast, which is so exciting. So possibly stay tuned for that. And uh, just uh, just keep on bleeding blue, everybody. Peace out. 